Welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of The Modern Extractor. This podcast focuses on the processes, equipment, and science found in a cannabis extraction laboratory. I'm your host, Jason Showard, and I work professionally in the cannabis extraction field. In Season 1, we followed material through an ethanol extraction lab, starting with biomass and working our way all the way through to isolate and distillate. We stopped at each stage along the way and picked it apart with an industry expert guest. In season two, we did the same, but with hydrocarbon extraction and all the craft concentrates that that style can produce. Here in season three, it's going to be less of a step-by-step walk through a lab, and we're opening up the format to be able to cover all of the interesting things happening in the extraction and cannabis lab science space today. Before we get into this week's show, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge the passing of Frenchie Cannoli. He was a pillar of our cannabis community and an absolutely amazing man who made huge advancements in the field of concentrates, more specifically hash. I've always been inspired by the passion he had for the craft and for the love of the plant, and I don't think I ever saw him without a smile on his face. He was truly committed to doing the best work he could do and sharing it with everybody he could share it with. Recently, I was lucky enough to spend some time recording him speak about his life and his work, And I had intended to air our interview this week, but out of respect for his family and for those that loved him who are hurting right now, I thought it best to postpone airing the interview until a later date. My condolences go out to his family and his friends and to the community at large. We truly lost a legend. I've still got a great show for you today. We just jumped ahead a week. Today's the first time I'm joined by two guests. They're childhood friends whose paths split long enough for them to go and get the education, the information, and the life experiences needed to reunite and form a fantastic partnership in the company they created. That company is Luna Technologies, and it's paving the way into the future of hydrocarbon extraction with the industry-leading work they're doing on system automation. As I said before, this is the first time I ever interviewed two people at the same time, So I failed to have them introduce themselves so you knew who was talking, so Kyler's voice is the voice you'll hear first. Kyler Buck and Jack Nato, welcome to The Modern Extractor. Thank you for having us, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Where am I talking to you guys from today? We're out of Portland, Oregon. That's where we're based and our systems are assembled, but here in the Pacific Northwest, beautiful out here. Right on. I'm talking to you from my home studio here in Los Angeles. I'm I'm sure your weather may be a little bit better up there than mine at the moment. I don't know. We had that 120 degree week uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was crazy. (laughs) I was watching that on the news. Let's jump right into how you guys got into this business. So everybody's path into the cannabis industry seems to be a little bit different. I'm sure you two are no exception. Talk to us about the different paths into the industry and how they ended up converging to create uh, Lunatech, this beast that you've created now. I'll start uh, start first. I kind of got in and right at the beginning of uh, end of 2012, early 2013, recently got out of the Army. Uh, a buddy of mine had opened up a medical dispensary and I wanted to see where I fit in the industry and started a little bit dabbling with growing. And then immediately, you know, I noticed 2013 concentrates were starting to come around and really thought that was the future of cannabis. So uh, stopped growing, got into extracting 
realize the profitability and you know just that growing market and being able to be on the forefront of that i started a cannabis brand in the state of oregon selling dabs and uh really was just you know struggling with the equipment the available options out there at that time was repurposed brewery parts and jack being an engineer and uh, one of my smartest friends at the time you know we got together and where he could fit in and that was you know he has a background in automation and engineering and we found that's where the equipment was really lacking most and being able to you know the oil being worth such a valuable you know high dollar amount and using this low grade you know barbaric equipment compared to you know you look at any other industry in the automation and that's where jack came in yeah so um after uh finishing a degree graduate degree in mechanical engineering i was working in aerospace doing r d most of it was automation focused and then the one thing kyler didn't mention is that we've known each other since first grade so we're kind of talking back and forth and like he was saying he was telling me that he had a lot of problems with the equipment he was running we were brainstorming some ideas and then so i we kind of figured out that the only way to do it was if we're together working on his equipment. So I moved back to Oregon from St. Louis, and then we spent about six months redesigning equipment for his business. And we thought at that time that everyone else in BHO was gonna be trying to automate extraction equipment. And then after six months or so, no one really was trying to do it. And so we decided to start this second company, or this new company, Lunar Technologies, to build and sell equipment. So is the company on the track that you had expected it to be on when you started this? I mean, this industry constantly proves that being agile and easily adaptable is kind of the name of the game for people that are involved with it because it moves so fast. So is this the direction that you saw everything going and how, how far have you, uh, have, you, have you strayed from the original vision? You know, early on, my my whole passion in this industry was BHO and specifically live resin. You know, since 2013, I've been uh, processing fresh frozen material, seeing the benefits, the higher quality. And I always believed that the industry was, that's the path, you know, forward with the industry. And, you know, as consumers became educated, that's the product they want. And uh, I'll admit there were some times there early on when, you know, CO2 and ethanol where Jack and I had talked to each other and like, man, was BHO the right choice, you know, to automate and go behind. But I think, you know, really in the last two years, we've been rewarded for that vision. And it has, you know, the industry has caught up to hydrocarbon being, you know, that sought after high quality, you know, live resin vape cartridges have really taken over, you know, the whole vape spectrum of the industry, you know, and that versatility of being able to be, you go into a dispensary, look on the shelves, that's going to be, you know, the dab shelf is, of course, all hydrocarbon extracts, you know, there's no CO2, there's no ethanol dabs. Um, 
And then now the vape industry cartridge too, you know, all the high dollar, high quality cartridge, the terpene rich carts are live resin. So we're super excited at, uh, you know, our vision did hold through and hydrocarbon has been the focus of Lunatech the entire time. Nice. It's nice to see you stay on target and, uh, and, and make it happen. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what actually makes a Lunatech extraction system. Without getting into the automation just yet, talk to us about what we're going to see when we walk up to an IO extractor. This being an audio-only format, kind of set the scene for us a little bit. What are we going to see when we walk up to it? Yeah. Yeah, the first thing you'll notice is that uh, it's installed in kind of a strange-looking room, a Class 1, Division 1 environment which is just um, an area where we expect hazardous levels of vapors to be at any time. So the room is pretty sparse. Uh, it's got an intake for air and an outlet for air. You're kind of standing in a giant fume hood. And then there's really not a lot of electrical in there. Any electrical that you put in the C1D1 area has to go through a pretty specific approval process and it's expensive. So right before you walk into this C1D1 room, You'll have our control panel, which is a big 10 or 13 inch touch screen. And that has a diagram of our system that'll basically show you what's going on, pressures, temperatures, and process flow. So after you walk past our control panel, past the touch screen into the room, our extraction skid is a big uh, stainless steel frame. It's about five feet square. And there are four pressure vessels on it. Two in the back are for solvent supply, where we maintain pressure and temperature of our solvent. Then we have a reactor vessel up front and a distillation column up front. Then if you, if you look a little closer, you notice that there's a lot of giant red valve actuators that are all over the skid, and that's really what controls the process. So we use air to control all of our, our control valves, and those are, uh, we've got about 16 of them around the extraction unit. Okay, so what's the modularity like on your system? Can you add and subtract columns and components to do a little bit more of a custom uh, approach to things? Um, the modularity really comes on the software side. So uh, when you have an automated control system, it takes, I mean, it took us and it takes any engineering company years to develop that software and make sure that it'll work for whatever kind of processes spring up or whatever, you know, whatever inconsistencies you have, say, in your biomass. And so the system is modular in that you can tailor the software to do pretty much whatever you want, but you're kind of stuck with the hardware. We can add on like a CRC column, which has become really popular, popular in the last couple of years and things like that. But in terms of adding more material columns or collection vessels, we're kind of stuck with what we have based on the controls. And that's pretty true of any automated system. You got to take in fact, though, our throughput. And, you know, why would you want to be modular? And that is, you know, to add more material columns, potentially more solvent tanks, which, you know, we already have two solvent tanks on our system. Most systems out there have one solvent tank. And that's with, so we have the ability to do back-to-back -back runs and the computer knows which tank to fill the material column from and which tank 
to distill that solvent back into. But adding more columns, you know, that also creates more complications, more labor. Um, and I haven't seen a modular system out there that has a higher throughput because of the consistency and the reliability that the automation gives your system. You know, I mean, besides CRC, which our system, you could add that in no problem. Uh, the point of adding more stuff would be to gain higher throughput, um, which is going to run, you're going to run into more problems anyways. And then the more columns you add on, the more skilled high wage extractor you need, you know, so there's plus and minuses on how you looked at it. And I like to think that our system is designed so well that it doesn't need, you know, more material columns because the consistency and the throughput is already so high. And not to mention to stay legal, if you're out there modifying your lab past its, you know, approved third engineering report, say, you know, there's a fire, something happens, they come in and they look and you have this modified, unpermitted, unapproved system, you're losing your license. As far as the automation that you guys are adding to these systems, let's talk about that for a minute. It's a pretty technical show here. I think the majority of the audience are extractors and, and can hold their own pretty much technically. So don't pull too many punches. Um, I'd imagine that the IO, which is the name of your system, gets its name from input-output, which is automation terminology. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about those inputs and those outputs. Give me some insight into the logic of how the automation system makes decisions, uh, what it's measuring for its inputs, and what it's controlling with its outputs. Sure, yeah. I guess uh, we'll start with the actual I.O., so we have um, we have six pressure transducers, um, six temperature probes, and I think we measure, or I know we measure liquid level in three vessels. So that's just a lot of information that we're bringing in to our control system and data logging about uh, between probably around 100 times a second. So with a really high frequency. Um, so that's what we're measuring. Basically everything you want to know to run your extraction process. Then on the output side, we control all of our on-off valves, which are those pneumatically actuated valves that just controls where vapor and where liquid is going to flow around the system. Then we also control our heating and our cooling, which is two separate process chillers, and then all of the pumps on the system. So there's a couple, there's one solvent pump that's actually on the skid. It's a dual diaphragm that, uh, pretty much just helps us move liquid around the system. We don't really use it for recovery. Our system is about 90% passive recovery. And then we also control a few pumps off the skid. So like hot water, cold water, things like that. And if I could just start, you know, explain, give kind of a thorough explanation on the vessels and the process start to finish. So the IO starts with two solvent tanks um, that each holds 60 pounds of solvent, whether that's a pure propane blend or pure butane or any blend in between. You start with your two solvent tanks. Once you 
pick the recipe and hit start on our control panel, uh, the system will automatically uh, suck all of the atmosphere out of the material column. And then once it hits its target PSI, it does a safety check and uh, monitors that pressure to ensure that there's no leak. After it's passed that 45-second safety check, the computer, uh, based off of an algorithm, will pick the coldest temperature uh, solvent tank with the highest pressure for the pos- for the coldest, quickest possible fill into the material column. And again, this these algorithms in this computer are all optimizing the efficiency of that extraction system and the speeds in which it runs. So once it's hit its target level in the material column, uh, it stops. And then that is all a controllable recipe on how long you want that solvent and biomass to soak for where the cannabinoids are now dissolving into the solvent and getting ready to be drained into the collection vessel or distillation pot is what we call it. So we use a solvent pump that then pushes, pulls solvent from the distillation column and pushes on the material column, creating a hot vapor loop that allows us to passively recover the solvent as soon as it starts draining. So as soon as the run is draining, it's distilling and resending that solvent back into, you know, the algorithm chosen best solvent tank for it to fill back into. Um, So this allows us to, uh, as we're draining, recover solvent, which improves recovery times. As soon as that is done draining, the computer will automatically switch over, evacuate all the remaining solvent from the material column, and a light will come on and a message saying the lid is now safe to open. And you can remove that material, uh, load a fresh log, close the lid, press start, and start your new run before the old run has even completed. So, like, that's what automation is able to do at quicker than human reaction speeds. Yeah, that's great. So you, you mentioned earlier, you said 90% passive recovery. That piqued my interest here. What's that all about? What's the other 10%? Uh, well, the other 10% is comes, comes from our solvent pump, that dual diaphragm pump. Okay. And it's also just part of the, I'd say the software modularity where you can adjust the recipe to be using the solvent pump to recover more or less of the solvent, basically to be more a part of the process if you want it to be, or less a part of the process. Um, Also, a lot of it just comes down to um, recovering solvent out of the biomass at the end of the run. That's uh, one piece of the recovery process. Gotcha. So saying that you can load another batch in to be extracted from before the first one's finished, that's in reference to you've still got solvent being recovered into one of your solvent tanks while your next run is starting on a, uh, on a material column. Is that accurate? That, that's true. And that's, that's the beauty of having two solvent tanks because, yeah. you know, the computer is able to decipher 
the best one to recover into and the best one to fill to fill from on your new tube. Yeah, because we use passive recovery mostly, we really have to have one solvent tank at low pressure. Mm-hmm. And low pressure in a tank doesn't help you go into a lower pressure tank in the reactor. Um, so we have to have one low pressure tank and one high pressure tank. And it's really because the process, just for a lot of reasons of efficiency, we like to bounce those back and forth. So like over the course of a day, one tank might go back and forth between the high pressure and low pressure, maybe 20 times. But that's what allows that high throughput and back-to-back runs. Because, you know, being able to load that next run before the first run's even finished is continuous processing, which that's automation for you that enables you to be so efficient that there is never any downtime in between runs. That's huge. I know uh, in, in the years that I was running in the ethanol facility, it was all about maximizing that time between when your centrifuge is spinning. If it's not going, you're doing something wrong. Better optimize. If it's not running, you're losing money. Exactly. The data logging that we do too enables you as an owner to see those inefficiencies. Like, it, it records the downtime. So you can see like, you know, on jack shift, he did nine runs. Kyler, you only did seven. I can, I could go back and look and, oh. And Kyler, you were, there was 20 minutes between each run when yeah. you were just sitting around. Oh man, I would have paid for that back in the day. <laughs> yeah. So while automation can do a lot for this world, the people that have been running these systems for years have always been tinkerers, you know, builders, people that figured out how to make something work when there wasn't a heck of a lot of information out there about it. So, uh, so much so that the head extractor at a facility is typically referred to as an extraction artist. Um, there's a lot of variables that you're going to get when you get different biomass and moisture contents and all this stuff. And you're taking some cues from, from feedback you're getting from your gauges and your sight glasses and things like that. I'd imagine that when you're automating things and you take that extractor who is a tinker at heart, take his ability to, to make these changes on the fly away, it might be a little bit hard to swallow. What's, uh, what's Lunatech's approach to making the automation an extractor's ally instead of their enemy? Jason, as a tinker and extractor myself, I can totally relate with that. You know, like I said, I've been extracting since 2013. I started on a sub-zero scientific, slowly, you know, went to glacier tanks, was putting pieces together, creating new knobs, adding more columns, more distillation pots, and, you know, doing my best and, uh, you know, doing doing well enough. Um, but that's when... I met some, you know, well, I knew Jack, but that's when I was able to bring Jack on board, who's a professional engineer, you know, and a designer and automation that you're really, you know, we were doing art and tinkering in ways and discovering things, but there's that professionalism, you know, as Volve is because once you find out and you tinker and you find that perfect recipe, it's then about scientifically repeating it. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Lunatech does, is you can tinker 
with the programming, you can design your recipes, and then you can do that same recipe over and over and over again. And there's some art to it, but really, you know, you got fresh frozen and you run fresh frozen a certain way. And then you run that way, whether, you know, you want to do it in sauce and diamonds or you want to do it as sugar. Um, and then there's dry material and you run that a different way. You're not really running, you know, Blue Dream differently from OG Kush. You know, the the science is there where you're dissolving cannabinoids and terpenes and they all dissolve fairly similarly. You know, the Blue Dream, the OG Kush doesn't change that. What changes is, you know, you have a way you run fresh frozen. You have a way you run dry material. Uh, CBD can be said to be ran a little bit differently. Um, and then you have different products that you're trying to make. So, you know, if you're doing dry, you have sugar, shatter, batter, crumble, all of that. Um, with the Lunatech, it allows you to come up with recipes to do those products better because we're the only system on the market available that has what's called the viscosity selector. And if you've ever made diamonds or you've ever made uh, sauce, you know that the amount of solvent you pour uh, with your resin oil mixture is important to creating that crash out from happening and that separation of the terpenes and the THCA to create those diamonds. We, through automation and science, have, you know, accounted out for all of the boiling temperatures of all the different solvent ratios and at what heat, you know, is what pressure to be able to leave the same amount of solvent as you pour every time. And we found, you know, that makes a difference when you want shatter and you want it to be stable, and you want it to not nucleate, um, you know, there's a certain viscosity you want to pour it at. If you want sugar, there's a certain viscosity you want to pour that oil at. So our system hasn't taken away from the artistry. It's allowed the artist to play around in ways they didn't even know possible, and then at the push of a button, save that recipe and do it, repeat it again and again and again, and then be able to hire a person under them who in a day can repeat them again and again. And that allows you as a company to grow. And it allows you to be able to create your product cheaper, you know, and be able to stay competitive. It's the future. That was really one of Kyler's biggest frustrations with his extraction business. He was, I mean, he was an extraction artist or whatever you want to call it. He was really good at making really high quality products. Mm -hmm. But then as he wanted his business to grow, he didn't want to be in the extraction lab for 10 or 12 hours a day. And as he was hiring people, as soon as, you know, Kyler would leave the lab, they weren't able to get the same results as him, mm -hmm. right? Because he was the one who had to stand there looking in the collection pot with the flashlight, waiting for the perfect moment to close the valve. And so it was really one of his biggest frustrations and one of our biggest reasons for doing this whole thing for starting Luna 
was to solve that problem, to create, to let people, give people creativity, let them make the products that they want to create. You can run our, our whole system manually from the touchscreen if you want, but then save that recipe at the end of the day so you can go home and let someone else take the next shift. Yeah, that's great. As you guys were talking about that, it made me think of all kinds of cool stuff you could do. Like, let's say that I'm an extractor in California and I've got a friend that's, you know, across the U.S. somewhere. And I want to say, hey, check out this new recipe that I created on this machine. If we both have the same machine, is there a way that I can share that recipe with them? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You can just, you can email it over and they can load it on their system. That is cool. Uh, right on. Yeah. You can also, you could log into their system remotely from California and watch them do the run. <laughs> if they allow you to have access. Right, right. If they, if they give you the, the access. And which brings up a really cool thing that, you know, people with our equipment are able to do is that remote access. As you as an owner or you as the extraction lab manager, if you have a cell phone, you can anywhere in the world, on your lunch break, on your vacation, you can log right in, see live what's happening, and actually even take over control of the extractor and troubleshoot from your phone on the beach in Hawaii. All right. You're designing systems for people who got it all figured out. Yeah. Well, they, they figure it out quick with our systems. There you go. With all of this new... Uh automation and everything that we just talked about, you know, there's going to be a lot of people first glance. No, no, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I, I'm scared of it, whatever. And, and, you know, you just convinced me that it was another tool to have in the bag. That's interesting. What were the biggest hurdles in getting people to, to kind of embrace that? Is it an education approach or what's the, the biggest things that you run into? Yeah. Like on a, at an operator level, especially starting out, the biggest hurdle was just getting people to trust the system like they would, we'd have techs all day on our prototype, just calling us and saying, hey, it's not doing X, Y, and Z. We would log in and all we would do is say, we'd see one or two valves that they had switched to manual mode. And all we do is put it back to auto. And then just like that, the machine would start running again, just fine. So people would watch the system and they're so used to being so involved in the process that they see something happen that they're not used to. And they, their instinct is to jump in and try to fix it, right? Because that's what they've been doing for years. So they'll jump in, turn some valves into manual mode to try to correct it. But really, then, then you're fighting with the computer. So over the first, I don't know, six or nine months when we were working with the prototype, it was really just getting text to trust that the software would work. That if you give it another 30 seconds, it's going to come back to what you're used to and you're going to or give it another 30 minutes, walk away, come back when it's over, and then you have the product that you want. So yeah, at like a granular level, people actually operating the equipment, that's been a really big challenge. And it, it still is to a certain degree going into new businesses with our equipment with a, you know, kind of like an old school extractor, just um, educating them on how our system works and then really telling them, explaining how the automation works where they can get all the information that they used to been seeing on the actual skid, like how do you get that through the touchscreen, and then like convincing them to just sit down and, you know, go read a book or something and just let it extract. But the, the biggest help for us has been being able 
to offer our clients to come and see the machines happen in person at multiple customers' facilities. We have in Oregon multiple uh, businesses who are running our equipment, and we have such good relationships with them that you know we offer anyone who's buying our system a chance to see the demo, see the machine in action, and the proof is in the pudding. Like once uh, someone has seen it and uh, you know seen the quality of the oil that comes out and how easy and cost effectively it made, like they're sold. So um, it it just takes getting someone out here to see it in person. That makes sense. That or just uh, you know ship a pair of uh, handcuffs with your systems when you originally ship them out if they can't see it in person. <laughs> there you go. So where it is that the IO extractor can interface with a C1-D1 booth? Uh, I know safety is a huge selling point for you guys. Uh, talk us through how the IO interfaces with an existing extraction environment and some of the other safety features that you guys offer. Yeah, um, so our control panel can tie into your existing extraction booth, uh, really any sort of extraction booth, whether it's custom built or a prefab unit. And we basically get an interlock signal that comes from either the ventilation or the gas monitor or both. So our system is constantly looking for that signal, making sure that, hey, okay, we know the ventilation's running and we know there's not an explosive level of gas in the room. As soon as we lose that signal, we can do a number of things, including shutting down the system and alerting the operator, telling them that, hey, your ventilation is down. You need to check it out and also potentially evacuate. And the other thing that we do is isolate all the valves. So if we do have a leak in our system and your booth detects that, it's going to tell us, close all the valves to make sure we isolate that leak so you can fix it as easily as possible and so you don't release even more solvents. So I would imagine with, um, you know, this isn't something as established as a, a computer where you just like plug a USB cable in and it automatically works. Like there's there's got to be some kind of a protocol that this booth is, is talking to your machine with. Are all of these C1D1 rooms that are out there right now or like a lot of the major manufacturers, do they offer a standardized protocol to communicate? Uh, some of them do. Uh yeah, some do, and any that don't, it's really, really easy to add it, and we always recommend that you add it. Um, you know, the, the hardware could be $100 or something like that. It's really just a no-brainer. And it's maybe not as plug-and-play as, you know, a USB into a computer, but on the other hand, it is even more plug-and-play because it's kind of an automation safety technique that's been used for uh, 60 years. So it, it's been around. It's been tested many, many, many times. And uh, most electricians are pretty familiar with with the how you wire it. Gotcha. We're not reinventing the wheel. Got to keep reminding right, ourselves right. that in this business because everybody thinks that they're doing something oh, yeah. brand new that's been done for a long time. Um, what uh, what can we expect for, uh, for a price tag on one of your machines if we wanted to buy the IO extraction system? Uh, $375,000. We only sell it as a complete ecosystem. So the extraction machine plus our chillers, we have two process chillers that are, have quite a bit of capacity. I think about six times the capacity of the closest competitor, uh, plus hot water heater and plus uh, another cooling system that actually, a water cooling tower that cools the chillers. 
we sell it as a complete ecosystem because everything with the automation system, everything talks to each other. It's just so much easier um, if we can have if we can program everything to talk one time instead of a hundred times. And it's also a lot cheaper for the customer in the end. And so for this $375,000 price tag, what would be the average throughput that you can expect to see in, say, an eight-hour shift? Um, eight hours. Oh, I got to do a little or bit of math. Hour, hourly throughput's fine. Yeah, hourly, uh, about 25 pounds an hour for wet biomass. Okay. As far as your systems go, are there plans to have different size systems, or uh, you know what's in the what's in the pipeline for you guys coming up? Absolutely, yeah. we think that you know again we're full force behind hydrocarbon, and I think the industry is realizing that with CO two sales and ethanol sales that customers are really looking for a way to do large-scale hydrocarbon. And mm-hmm. uh, we plan on building much larger scale, much higher throughput uh, hydrocarbon to be competitive with ethanol and scalable with ethanol extraction because it just makes such a higher quality product than ethanol. Mm-hmm. Now, our, you're going to be bottlenecked doing something like that by your maximum allowable quantities of solvent. Do you have uh, plans for how to, how to address that? Yeah, there are a couple of ways to go about that. Um, really for us, the easiest way from our perspective is to uh, install it in a hazardous occupancy, okay. but you know, 95% of our customers are not in that occupancy. So the other way is just to really efficiently use our solvent. So we're going to go up to 300 pounds and then just make sure we recycle that really, really quickly so we can extract quite a bit with just 300 pounds. And really, it's just about um, managing your energy properly to be able to cool it down, heat it up, boil it, condense it all in a really quick cycle. There are ways to improve the current uh, process of hydrocarbon. Like the, we see many ways and many rooms for improvement to extract more efficiently with the amount of solvent available to us. So uh, we do see the possibility and the scalability of hydrocarbon with that 300 pound gas limit. Okay. Do you guys have anything uh, in the pipeline that we can expect for the, the rest of the year here or in early 2022? Yeah, we will have a couple new systems uh out before the end of the year can't talk about them much beyond that but uh we'll have them at mj bizcon so all right well i will definitely be there and uh coming to check out what that's all about um so now that that's actually a great segue into my next question i was going to ask you uh now that things are opening back up a little bit um what do you have on your books as far as trade shows and everything on that circuit are you going to do much beyond bizcon yeah, we actually just did uh, Canacon in Detroit. Um, decent turnout for being kind of the first major show of the pre-COVID. But uh, I think we have one more before MJ BizCon and then MJ BizCon and a few shortly after. Right on. Yeah, I'll be at the Extraction Expo in Los Angeles here on the uh, September 30th and October 1st. So excited about that one. Hopefully we'll see you guys out there. Yeah, that should be a good show. 
Yeah, just to wrap things up here, uh, I started the Modern Extractor to help extractors fine-tune their processes and improve the quality of their final products. So, Kyler, as a long-term extractor yourself, if you could give just one tip to the hydrocarbon extractors out there to improve the quality of their concentrates, what would that be? Temperature. Um, you know, cold uh, temperatures, um, using dry ice if you don't have chillers available. Um, and then also, you know, fresh frozen material, uh, biomass is everything. I think, you know, it's uh, learning that early on is hard because you, what you thought was good, you know, you might need to raise, raise your standards a little bit because it takes, you know, fire in fire out, you know, there's ways to clean up oil, but, uh, if you want a high quality product, start with a high quality biomass. There's no better way to do that than start with fresh frozen. Uh, terpenes are what I consider the highest quality part about the plant and what it gives us in the extracts. Uh, so using those cold temperatures preserves all of the terpenes from that high quality material. So uh, dry ice is your friend if you're on a small system and then chillers are your friend if you have the money and you can afford to it. You can't. You can't go too cold. All right. And then another question for both of you guys. You're very much on the forefront of what the future of hydrocarbon extraction is going to look like. That said, what are you guys most excited about regarding the future of our whole industry? Uh, I'm just excited it's still in the early stages. You know, there's some of us that have been in this for, you know, five, ten years now. and we get pretty cocky in ourselves, but it's still new. You know, the there's not global trade set up. There's not even national trade set up. There's a lot of people uh, still coming on board, and you know, there's uh, there's going to be a lot of volatility in the market still for years to come because who knows who's going to join? You know, and that's really going to change everything and how quickly you know federal legalization happens that's scary to think about you know uh i like to think that we're prepared to be there but again you know there there's there's people lying in the way absolutely yeah and i'm uh, i'm gonna go a little nerdier with my answer but uh i'm pretty excited just to see all the new packaging technology that's coming out like Personally, that interests me. It's pretty cool stuff that they're doing. And it's a big, after you solve extraction, like the next production bottleneck is always packaging. And there's a lot of cool stuff being done there right now. Okay, give us an example of something that's uh, that's interesting getting done in the packaging world. I'm You, you got my curiosity going here. Ooh, um, different methods for packaging dabbable products. Okay. Uh, it's just, a, it's a funny engineering challenge that's definitely solvable and hasn't it's just starting to be tackled right now so there's a lot of companies doing it and there's a lot of companies doing it well well there's a lot of companies doing it some are doing it well gotcha yeah just the the glass jar for everything is not always the uh the, the right answer so that's an interesting right. problem i didn't even i didn't even consider interesting all right. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you guys uh, to see how one of your systems can work out for them or to, you know, just chat about whether it's the right move, what what's the best way to reach out? Uh, go on to our website at lunatechequipment.com. 
can reach out to our sales team. I think it's actually it's sales at lunatechequipment.com. Uh, or you can always call our phone number. Our main line is 971-337-2314. All right, great. And if somebody wanted to actually see one of these systems in person so they didn't have to, to wear handcuffs their first time with their own material, what uh, is there an option if they're a serious buyer to see something that's in the field ready to go before they make the purchase? Oh, definitely. Like Kyla mentioned, we have really good relationships with a lot of customers. Um all up and down the West Coast and a few other places around the U.S. So just give us a call. And if you're serious, we would love to have you out to uh, come out for a day. We'll take you through the shop in Portland, or we can meet you at a customer site and just show you a few runs and show you some of the product that comes out. All right. Sounds good. Jack Nato and Kyler Buck, co-founders of Luna Technologies. Thank you guys for joining me on the Modern Extractor. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jason. All right. Thanks again to Jack and Kyler for joining us today. If you want to get a hold of them, check out their website, lunatechequipment.com. That's L-U-N-A-T-E-C-H equipment.com. Email sales at lunatechequipment.com or call the direct line 971-337-2314. Also, their Instagram is lunatechnologies, no spaces. The Modern Extractor recently teamed up with Mace Media Group as the official podcast partner to the Extraction Expo. Mace publishes Extraction Magazine and Terpenes and Testing Magazine and produces some fantastic conferences, including one of my favorites, the Extraction Expo. This year's expo is coming up September 30th through October 1st at the LAX Marriott in Los Angeles. It's the only trade show or conference completely dedicated to extraction, all of the exhibitors are pertinent to the extraction business, and all the speakers and panel discussions are targeted right at us. It's the best networking and educational event specific to our industry, and Modern Extractor listeners are now eligible for half-price tickets. I'll be there with a booth, interviewing exhibitors, speakers, and interesting guests, handing out swag, and doing my Modern Extractor thing to cover the latest and greatest in the industry. So come find me, shake my hand, and say hello. Ticket sales and information about the Expo are available at ExtractionExpo.net. When you go to purchase your tickets, don't forget to enter our promo code MODEX to get them for half price. That's M-O-D-E-X. No spaces. I'll see you at the Expo. As always, if you want to hear about something specific on the show, let me know. Email me. Jason at ModernExtractor.com Make sure to follow the show on Instagram at the underscore modern underscore extractor. If you guys like the show, please subscribe and please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. The more subscribers and better reviews we get, the better guests I can keep booking for you here in the future. Stay tuned for next week when we'll have Dr. John Thompson of Extract Lab join us to talk about Delta 8 and some of the other isomers that have been making waves recently. We'll get into the SOPs and equipment needed to safely isomerize CBD into these compounds, as well as some of the industry and legal politics surrounding it. A big thanks to Isada Venegas for handling business on the show's social media, and a shout out to the New Fools for bringing the funk to the Mod X theme song. Thanks again to everybody for tuning into the Modern Extractor. New episodes are out every Tuesday. I'm Jason Showered. Let's talk soon. Mm-hmm.